Love is amazing, but it's also bullshit, and it might also get you murdered. So, welcome to another episode of Love is Amazing, but it's also bullshit, and it might get you murdered. The podcast that reminds you that everything you ever wanted in this life could end in a huge fucking dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, as always, I am Aaron Black, and we have uh, Nicholas Control Freak Luna. Hey, hey, hey. To my front. And then today's guest, a really good friend of the show, we had him on before to talk about Elliot and Miranda Barber who were not in the running for a couple of the year. Uh, (laughs) The host of Lost and Rewound on Brooklyn Free Radio. Is it Free Brooklyn? Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn. All right. right. Yeah. Dyslexic. Elon Danziger. Hello. (laughs) You you know, I would just like to point out that I feel like all of us back together now, it's kind of like the boys are back in town. Yeah, I mean, it was sure. really great seeing you guys. Uh, you guys, uh, some time back, were on our show. Um, and obviously, you know, Nick, you had been on the show before, but Aaron, it was your first time being in It was my studio. first time, and uh, I was like, it, it was so much fun. I had just a blast. Uh, I never got to wear headphones before, so. Say like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and every, like, I felt like I was on a thing that was something that somebody might pay me to do someday. Like, that's how I felt. The headphones it, are back on your head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, oh, so this is how people uh, do a podcast that actually give a shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> My eyes are rolling back. No. Anyway, uh, today we have a scorcher, uh, a case full of love, loss, betrayal, and bondage. Um, so what? Yes. Bondage, more knots. On, more on that later. Sex tapes, <laughs> all bunch of weird stuff. So. How weird? That's not so weird. Okay, Nick. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. I mean, I'm that. pretty vanilla, <laughs> so I'm just sort of kind yeah. of well, okay. try, to, try to hold it together here. Okay, you know, whatever. I'm going to keep it vanilla, too. What What, <laughs> what are some of your other fetishes, Nick? I mean, you opened the store, so you got to walk through it now. Um, okay, anyway, come back with me, dear listener, to uh, July 24th, 2003. David Springer, who was an ex-cop of the Denver Police Department, was looking for his daughter. Oh, yeah, he was. Yes. Uh, he was looking for uh, Heather DeWild, who was 30 years old at the time. She was basically going to her ex-husband's house in Edgewater, Colorado. Which and, I assume is a suburb, right? Must um, be, of Denver. Yeah, right? Because yeah. it seems like uh, they had a police uh, department, but they didn't have the courthouse. That, they went to Denver for the court uh, mm-hmm. stuff that happens later on, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So Close enough. I that was... That was, yeah, that was good. I mean, I never, I, I wouldn't even have thought that. I've never been yeah. to Colorado. I would love to visit, and maybe I'll take a view of Edgewater and do the same crawl, like the forty-eight <laughs> hours. What's the forty-eight hours host? Oh shit! Uh, her name is Erin uh, uh, Moriarty. And, and the way that like they're just like rolling around town, I really want to know where they're going. But it seems it's not like, like comedians in car, uh, in coffee or whatever. Coffee, comedians drinking coffees in cars. Yeah, it's like you know very somber people rolling around in Edgewater, basically. Mm-hmm. I want to know where they're going. 
well, yeah, it, no, it was it was not as funny as like uh, Jerry no, Seinfeld, Seinfeld and like with Colin other or something exactly. Yeah, because they're like, oh, so like stand up's crazy, and and this woman was like, it must have been hard, you know, since your daughter got murdered, you know. So, so <laughs> a little bit different, a little bit different vibe. Uh, so Heather DeWild was going to her soon-to-be ex-husband's house. His name was Dan DeWild. Now, the plan was just to stop by with her kids, Hannah and Jacob, who were, what, five and three? Yes. Uh, yes. Jacob was five, Hannah three. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, take care of some paperwork, insurance, some checks, and stuff like that. After this trip, no one saw her again. When Hannah did not return, her mother, uh, Carol... Carol. 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 Immediately called Dan. And she basically was like, uh, Dan told Carol that uh, she went shopping. And everybody immediately knew that this was bullshit. It was a huge red flag. Yeah. Because uh, first off, her parents thought it was a lie because she didn't bring any money or credit cards. Nothing. Yeah. Which, by the way, who does that? Like, who goes somewhere without money or credit cards? I Someone mean, who's going to get murdered. She basically didn't think that she needed to go anywhere else because she was going straight from the house with her kids to the house. And she didn't necessarily need um, you know, transactional items with her. or uh, credit. I don't know why I'm putting it like that. Transactional <laughs> items. Ways on which to make transactions. Yeah, um, but, but, but she I'm didn't a- need to bring those with her because she was just going from point A to point B. Yeah, but I, I, I will challenge that with... She was with her two children. What if something went down and she needed like money or credit cards to like say get her car towed or whatever? You know, the consequences of that completely are outweighed by the consequences that lay before her. <laughs> little did she know that she would need those cards. Well, little do either of you know that Colorado is basically on a barter system. That's how it works there. So it's like if I want some uh, weed, I got to give you two chickens and a goat. And your firstborn, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I worked in Colorado, and I know what I'm talking about. That's incredible. So, um, so basically, her, her mom was like, uh, "Daniel, you're full of shit." What happened was Carol basically rushed right over to Dan uh, Dan's house to get her two kids, uh, her grandchildren, mm-hmm. and the local police started uh, getting into the picture. They went to the house. But basically saw nothing suspicious. Except that when they like approached Dan, he was like, he already had a lawyer. So, he not, so, had so not there yet. We are so not, so not there yet. Okay, yeah. let's backpedal. Now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we don't no, have be, to backpedal. We're, okay, um, so what was the suspicious thing? Because she ends up being missing for six days. I'm, I'm talking about a different <laughs> event. This is like the initial police come to check on something. Right. I'm not talking about... There's stuff afterwards, and that's when it gets weird. And it does get weird. It does get weird, yes. Oh, we should we should at this point actually talk about that there is a brother... We're, I have that in the... I have that in the outline. Okay, so anyway... Um, the next morning, Hannah was officially a missing person. Right. And uh, a, a man named Detective Mark Critter was basically... Cryer? Crider. 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 Crider was brought on to assist the case with the Edgewater PD. He was part of the Denver police force. Mm-hmm. In full effect. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, what he figured out is that Dan and Heather 
had like a very rocky six year relationship yeah, going he was, on. He was feeling really hostile. Like yeah. he was angry that he had to pay child support. A bunch of shit. Yeah. And they were like days away from having like a finalized divorce. And basically, Dan was very upset that Heather got temporary custody of the kids and he was ordered to pay child support. So at this point, his twin brother basically comes in and moves in with Dan with his girlfriend, Roseanne. Uh, uh, what's his twin brother's name? David. Dan, Dan, Dan is the... Um, sorry, David. Yeah, David. so it's David and Dan. David and Dan. DeWild. Mm-hmm. Alliteration for days. The, the, the difference is, yeah. is that Dan does not have facial hair. David does. And man, that makes such a big difference. Because David looks like a normal person. Dan looks like a maniac. I know. Oh, yeah. And isn't it most cases where, like, in these stories, it's always the one with the beard who is supposedly the more evil one? Like, <laughs> Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Tad Ghostel, and then his brother Chad Ghostel, and Tad is, you know, the Space Ghost, mm-hmm. and Chad has, like, a very devious goatee, and talks with a very evil way about him. <laughs> he was always the most debonair one. These guys are total putts. Well, can I point something out, Elon? You have the most beard out of all of us. Does that mean that you're the evil one? You, you never know. It's very true. <laughs> I it's also that. it's also the way you stylize your facial hair. I mean, this was like pure goatee, like the middle of the road, like what you. Aaron are sporting a very nice goatee. You think so? It is a very nice goatee, yeah. sir. Yeah, you're getting there, man. But I won't lie. My father also has a goatee, and so do my uncle. So you are uh, approaching this place of you know the comfort level of like having you know the goatee is like what you have. Yeah, and it's what you continue to have. My father sported a beard when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, if if I could grow a man beard like you, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, it, it all comes in all patchy. And this goatee, like, you know, I'm very up in the air about it because I had people who were, were supposed to love me unconditionally tell me <laughs> that I look like a douchebag. So. Dan, Dan does not want to uh, sport a beard because Dan wants to be a pasty, scary very emotive person. Like, I, his, I mean, you. Look he just at, looks creepy. Yeah, when you look at him, it looks like he's wearing a mask, but it's not. It's his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it looks like he's wearing the Jason mask. Yeah, and you know, the, the or, thing, or the Halloween mask, right? The Michael Myers thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the thing about it is, like, if you were to tell me about this case. And then you showed me a lineup of a bunch of people and say, pick out the suspect. I would never pick out Dan or David DeWild because I was like, whoever the case was about needed to have sex with a woman. <laughs> and they don't cut it. No, you know? they don't. So but let's talk about Roseanne for a minute because oh, yeah, yeah. Roseanne is being interviewed and I can't shake something about her. Like, she's just very strange. It's almost as if, like, she, even being interviewed about this, she's so aloof. This is David's uh, girlfriend, by the way. This is David's girlfriend. Yeah, David's girlfriend. Uh, You know, it's funny. um, Detective Kreider basically came to uh, Dan's house after he was on the case for a while. And that's when, you know, he lawyered up. Like he was he already, already lawyered up. Yeah, he was already lawyered up. He's like, like not, not, up. Yeah. I have an attorney. This is when, like, you know, that came to light. You sure. know, right. And um, and then David 
just so happens to be pulling into the driveway mm-hmm. as this is going down, and Dan waves him in, being like, don't talk to them, don't talk yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, David, great to see you. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Uh, I'm coming right now. Shut the fuck up. Don't talk to this guy. No, just shut the fuck up. But, you know, in, and uh, I said this to um, you guys uh, before, but, like, the detective in uh, Detective Kreider, Kreider in 48 Hours, he was like, why would you have a lawyer? And you know what? I, I understand why being a detective that would be suspicious, but I'm telling you, man, I get it. Like, you know, if like, if I had a wife and she went missing, uh, I would do everything to help, help find that person if I loved her. But, but But I would also think about lawyering up because you could get tagged on that shit. I see what you're saying. See, what you're saying is, is that whatever the consequences, just so that it, you have it because you never know what's going to be implied or expressed, but it almost seems kind of foolish in, in my opinion to... Like you're not impervious to being implicit in the in, in the a lot of big uh, words. case if you are you know getting a lawyer like it's not like to say oh uh, I'm you can't touch me now because I've already you know protected myself I don't oh know. yeah you you you're saying that you know by getting a lawyer he he didn't shield himself from any like right it just kind yeah. of already sets red flags I mean look okay let's bring it back here this is a guy who married. Sorry, uh, head uh, of the police department? Uh, like a detective. Was, a detective. He right? married a detective. Wait, wait, was he a detective? All I remember David is... David Springer it, worked at the Edgewater police. Denver police. Well, yeah, Denver but, but all, I, all I heard was ex-police officer. I didn't hear ex-detective. Well, anyway, it's, it's like, cop, cop, look, cop. imagine Blue Bloods and, like, one of the main characters is, like, in this situation. You're going to tell me that Thomas Selleck's not going to freak the fuck out that, like, one of his daughters is basically... <laughs> yeah, I mean... You, you know what you're getting into. You should know what you're getting into because the susceptibility uh, and like being that brazen to marry someone who is already in a police family and then being even a possible suspect in a murder. Like, yeah, of you course, have to yeah. be a total egomaniac well, to even and, try this shit. And, but uh, he was, right. you know, like, like, like that's the line. That's the line you're you're talking about. It's like the line between murdering a daughter of a police officer and thinking you'll get away with it, as opposed to murdering the daughter of a police officer. I'm, this is not a good uh, line analogy situation. <laughs> I, I don't see I mean, where the line is. All from. I'm all I'm saying <laughs> is that you know you're right. It's crazy. Yeah, but. That's what. But he, that he's a sociopath. Like, At that's this why point in the yeah. story, though, I wouldn't have even thought. To be fair, that she was murdered. I could have just thought, oh, she's just missing. You know, there's a very good chance she's just missing. But she was not missing, as mm-hmm. we found out. Yeah. yeah. If she was just missing, we would not be talking about she's, it. She, <laughs> she was missing for six days. Until... Yeah. So, so um, basically, what ended up happening is that. Uh, as Kreider kept on investigating, he kept on coming up to these roadblocks. He couldn't get a warrant to search the house without Dan's consent. When they finally did search the house, Heather had been missing for six days. And the house was clean, clean, clean. And there was no sign of murder in the house. It was a NMH, a non-murder house, as uh, you know, like the police. That's that's a that's a professional police lingo uh, saying, by the way. Is it really? No. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Can we get a theme song for that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, cool. Did here. you believe for a second that that was a real thing? For a second, but here let oh, me play Nick. the new uh, theme song that we have for non-murder house. Oh, 
a fucking brilliant song nick oh thanks brother yeah so um investigators learn that uh david who's the twin brother the the bearded one he's the one with the beard yes david is david is the brother with yeah. the beard but for you know all the podcast listeners who don't <laughs> yes uh, yeah have that they are identical they are identical uh, twins and they keep themselves to look not identical by one having very well groomed facial hair. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, you look facial hair. You look somewhat attractive. Until yeah, well, for now. Let's yeah. just say for now. <laughs> for now, it's a temporary it, situation. Yeah, yeah. It's like putting uh, lipstick on a pig. Sure, if you want to use that term. Not, not hating on the DeWild family at all. <laughs> Yo, can I just talk about? I'm a dog owner. Uh, I own uh, a few dogs and. Uh, um, really wonderful rescue house I have. And, you know, I'm sorry, but they're showing this photo, they're flashing this photo of Dan and Heather with their dogs, and all I could think of was, where are the dogs in all this? Like, you, like I can't believe you're fucking doing this. Yeah, why you're, would you let your dogs down like that? It, it, it's, it's so disheartening. Mm-hmm. In all these stories, <laughs> the dogs are just so, like, not a part of the situation at all, which is fine, but... The, they kept on showing this photo, and I can't just help thinking of this poor chihuahua that they had, who clearly, like, is dealing with a total ridiculous yelling all the time, and oh. I'm like, that just sucks. Oh. It just really sucks. Poor doggo, man. Yeah, man. Ugh. Poor doggos. There was two dogs. Poor, poor doggos. Yeah. Yes. I will always trump human murder over a dog's well-being. <laughs> like, that's just my two cents, but I, I just had, I had to say it, but... Uh, but I get what you're saying. I love dogs, too. So, okay. There's a repair truck that was found 15 miles away that was Dan's truck? Mm, no, no, So, no. yeah. So, yeah, we're going to... Yeah, Aaron's yeah. going to get to that. Got yeah. it. All got right. it. All right. So, anyway. Um, investigators learned that uh, David was taking his vehicle 15 miles away to get repaired. The reason why this was suspicious was because both David and Dan were mechanics. They were motherfucking oh, mechanics. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So they and had abs- they worked together. They had no reason to take it that far. Like and even let's say that they needed a shop or something, I'm sure they could have found some place closer. Yeah, because they literally worked at a shop. Yeah, exactly. So this was very su- suspicious to the police. And the vehicle that David took was a, a suburban like a real old, like a rust, yeah, rust bucket. It was like, co- Colorado's fuck. Yeah, like I live in motherfucking Colorado, <laughs> and I go kayaking on the weekends, Gunnison River forever, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a shout out? Yeah. Well, it's it's I. I How would, many Colorado shout outs are you gonna fit into this episode, sir? <laughs> that was my first one, and probably my only one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Counting. I didn't I'm, mention that I'm I worked in Colorado you. again. Yes. Thank you for keeping me on track, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's the second time you've mentioned Colorado. Yeah. That's a cool state, man. Yeah. I, mean, weed's legal there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with that. Yes. Weed's legal. It's there's the barter system. Can you imagine <laughs> me like I'm getting stoned in Edgewater? Like that's just like a very Kerouacian thing to say. I, I'm sure Kerouac. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure Kerouac would have like you know loved to smoke legal weed and all that. I never read On the Road, and I lied about it for about five years in college. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, 
oh yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's a great fucking book. It's it's just them driving around. Jesus, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it's okay. Um, I didn't grow up on the Beatles. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I grew up on the Beatles, and I grew up to hate them. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, you should see it. Like anytime, uh, uh, Blackbird plays, mm. and Nick's in the room. Uh, he just like he'll take the nearest heavy object and just bash. Who is ever next to him? It's insane. It's crazy. It's... And then I'll just sit like brooding in the corner mm-hmm. until the song's over. I'll let the song play out though. It is a super fucked up part of Nick that maybe <laughs> you don't know about. Anyway, so <laughs> so that's why investigators were like very interested in that super su- suburban, 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 suburban. But, yeah. So basically, um, it's found fifteen miles away. Yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't found 15... It well, was, the shop was 15 the miles. Fi- the shop was 15 oh, miles Oh, well, where was the car found? Well, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, basically, when they... What do you call it? Searched the Suburban... With, with w- murder with, dogs. Uh, murder dogs. And these. <laughs> uh... They, um... It, they're basically cadaver-sniffing dogs. CSDs. So, anyway, <laughs> what the dogs picked up was on the bottom... On the rear driver's side of the car yep. was something. They, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. They they they, they, they sent they sensed something was there. Something they, was they, there. They, some, they caught a scent. That was like a spirit. That was something like a <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spirits don't have scents. You just sense the spirits. Dude, how do you know? How do you know, man? Yeah, maybe dogs are have a higher sense of perception or something oh. to the effect of that. Oh. Who knows? Also, uh, I don't believe in God or something. You know, I think they do <laughs> have a higher... It's just, it's just a spiritual thing, man. They do have a higher sense, and that's why Egyptians worship them. Egyptians you know worshipped cats. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, uh, then, sure. then fuck everything I just said. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, after Detective Kreider, re- you know, came up with, like, this suspicion about Dan... Mm-hmm. And I and I don't agree with this move. Uh, <laughs> he immediately told him, like immediately, <laughs> like like as soon as he was like, "I think you did this." Uh, he went up to him and he was like, "I think you did this." Like the day after that, the detective uh, let Dan know that he was a suspect. David, the bearded brother, married his longtime girlfriend Roseanne. Roseanne. Who, yeah. again, for the record, is really weird. She's mm-hmm. just super weird. Like, like you, your first impression is like, there's just something off about her. Yeah, like, they have, like, this B-roll of her, like, walking by a lake, and you're like, is this, like, your, like, gated community that you <sighs> yeah. live in? Or, you, like... you can't put too much stock in those, because those are such common tropes. Like, there's, like, a scene of her, like, touching the wall. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like she's wall. like really thinking about something. Yeah. Dateline does it. Forty eight hours has no reason not to do it. It's the whole like trope of walking and in, 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 introspectiveness. That's it's been done before, man. Mm-hmm. Touching a wall, looking out into the water, no, no, seeing your reflection you, and falling in and drowning. I know this sure, story. Like, sure, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a formula. I um. What about the uh, part where she uh, picks up goose shit and puts it in her pocket? Oh, I missed that one. 
You you were the only one who noticed that. Must have been a dream I had. <laughs> okay, so but here's the thing about Roseanne, which like you you guys say she's weird, and I and I'm on board, but I also think she might be a genius because uh, she comes off the way she comes off in the interview. You would watch it and you would be like, that might be a person who could live with a murderer for a decade and not know about it. That's how I felt about her. Like when when they were like. Isn't it suspicious that David asked you to marry him right after his brother was a suspect in the murder? And she's like, I just, I don't know about law, you know? And I was like, you don't know about law. You don't know about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Including law. Like, like, would you equate her to being a genius like Kanye is a genius? Oh, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) I've lost both of us. Um, But anyway, two weeks... After Heather's disappearance, uh, a white Nissan was found five miles away from the DeWilds home. In like a parking lot? Parking complex. Yeah, apartment complex in the parking lot. Whatever they found it in, it has three words involved. Apartment, parking, and complex. However order you want to go, I don't give a fuck. All right, cool. Yeah. It was parking that was technically not theirs. They just found a parking lot. They probably found the, the... the, the most, like, uh, unsuspecting kind of place that they could possibly find to, to put this car. Yeah. And I'll agree with that, but also, like, if the police are actively on the case, because they are, because it's, like, the policeman's daughter, you would think they would have found the car sooner if it was, like, five miles away from the house. Well, you know, the thing you, about the police being, like, permanently on the case, like, her dad didn't think they were. You know, remember he says that, kind yeah. of? I'm not saying that they dragged her shoes, feet, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but like, uh, I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway. Anyway. They, yeah. they, found, they found the vehicle in the parking lot. They searched it. Nothing helpful. Like, nothing. Like Yeah, it was barren. It was barren. Like, like no evidence of anything. Like a brand new car! <laughs> yeah. Except not at all. Uh, one month later, Curtis Johnson, who... My man. Is... Pro- okay, so Curtis Johnson <laughs> was uh, moving dirt on a canyon road. Yeah, he was just, you know, doing work with a bulldozer and mm-hmm. moving all those rocks. And, oh, what do I see here? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a body. So basically, he uncovered Heather's body. The body was wrapped in a trash bag. Mm-hmm. There was tape on her face. Her hands and feet were bound with rope. Uh, the death was ruled a homicide, but the body was so decomposed that the cause of death was undetermined. Which makes sense anyway, I think, regardless of what's going on, because chances are if a body's been left to wither away into dust for a certain amount of time, it's going to be decomposed anyway, right? Unless the gangrene just hits the skin that much after being that brutally damaged that it makes the body decompose faster? Well, no, no, no. But, like, say if you were to find a body and the skull would have, like, a giant hole in it, you'd be like, oh, this person probably died from that. Right. Yeah, it's trippy, man. They can take mummies from, like, 4,000 years ago in in, like, the European Alps and be like... Oh, this guy was allergic to gluten, and that's how he died. But we can't figure out how somebody a month ago died. Yeah, so forensic (laughs) evidence will basically uh, 
It's, say it's a mystery, man. It's... That it, like the body was so mutilated that they weren't able to even figure out what was going on. Yeah, no, it it was undetermined. That's that's the um, the thing that the MD said on the piece of paper. He and so it's a cold case for a bit. It, it, it's a, a lukewarm case, we'll say. Yeah. Cause, cause... Well, at this point, it's still smoking hot. Is it like piping hot? Yeah, I mean, you know, cold. I think like we're still talking about a month into the investigation. Oh no, I understand that. I'm just saying that you know, a month later after they find it, after that, you know, what is presented to um, the interested par- parties of interest? They like are like, what the fuck? You know, how we how did we find this body all the way over here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, fair. yeah, what, what ended up happening is uh, Heather's parents started to get super frustrated. Naturally. Yes. David, who retired, couldn't be involved in the investigation. Um, so, he was kind of like, he was wondering if the police department And you're were talking about David, Heather's father. Yes. yes. David Springer. Springer. Not, not to be not confused with... David, David DeWild. Right, David Springer. DS, David Springer. Yeah. So in 2005, a man named Scott Storied, which is a pretty Scott Storied. badass name. Oh, man. He sworn in as district attorney. Oh, yes. That is uh, Silver Fox, be, Yeah. Became <laughs> With a, also a very prominent goatee as well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a good one, man. Is He became Jefferson County's new district attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather's parents basically went up to him and was like... Yeah. Our daughter's dead. <laughs> we totally know who did it. Please help us. So he kind of, at this point, reinvigorated the investigation. And he set up his own task force. And the head of this task force was a man named Russ Boatwright, which oh. is a badass name if I ever Russ, totally. Like, Elon, like, say to, like, how would you describe uh, Russ Boatwright? Think about, like, a Joe Mantena, like a young Joe Mantena or whatever his uh, character is on Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. yeah. Ha- I-, I can't believe I'm forgetting his characters. My, my wife would kill me. It, 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 he was uh, the detective in Usual Suspects uh, questioning uh, Kevin Spacey's character. Oh! oh. Yeah. 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 So that guy. So yeah, imagine him like a younger, a no, no, like younger. No, I think like about ten years younger. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think he's in that same school. Uh, you know, very dark features uh, and kind of Italian, maybe a little bit. Sure, and, I, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and just also sporting a very dark goatee. I, I feel like this is just a, like a trend. You know, my man, fucking Russ is a mashup between that. And then, like, uh, like a Fisher Stevens from, like, Hackers. Yes! He's so right. And, and Elon, <laughs> and I think that you, know, you know why else I think he he reminds me personally of Joe Ma, uh, Montegna? Montag- no, Montag- man, 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 Montag- it's M-A-N-T-E-G-N-A. Yeah. Montana, well, Montana? The reason why he reminds me of the detective in Usual Suspects is that part of the 48 Hours... Where he uh, is just like going, the cripple! Have you seen the cripple? Where's the cripple? <laughs> All right, and then like the coffee mug like falls in slow motion. Yeah, and... exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kumbayashi. Anyway. 
It's a podcast and we could take all the shit we don't like out. So, <laughs> Often th- we don't though. Yes. <laughs> because that would be inorganic. It would be weird. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so let's, what, what year are we in right now with Russ Boatwright and Scott's story? Is that 2005? We're still in 2005. Yeah, yeah. They are yeah. on the fucking case right now. Yeah. And how? There's a lot of years that this has to fit into. So I feel like there's a lot of time that goes by. From 2005 to the next year, unless I'm yeah, wrong. like like one whole year from 2005 year? to the next yeah, year, like that is one whole year. It is like a cold case. It is. Yeah. So it is, okay. At this it, point, it, it is a cold case now, right, Aaron? Are we okay? Are, are we cold yet? We could we could make we could make an argument <laughs> about cold case for that. But when you said cold case. I you was really like a month the gun into a little you, bit. You, you jumped the fuck out of that gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, and there's a couple things people need to remember about this case, which made it difficult for the investigators. Lay it on me. Yes, the DNA would not be helpful because these are identical t- twins. So it wouldn't be a smoking gun. Yeah, exactly. Like if I had an identical twin, and you know somebody found my DNA in a car that someone got murdered, you know it. You know, the, the defense just has an automatic, uh, just straight-up one-two punch for the prosecution. Yeah, it's like a shruggy emoji. But the investigators are very, you know, they they know that uh, Dan DeWild, David DeWild, and probably Roseanne had something to do with the disappearance of Heather, the murder of Heather, and prosecutors were pretty convinced that Roseanne had, had to know something about it. Because... Roseanne continues being weird and yeah. completely yeah. sketchy. Yeah, because uh, Roseanne made this statement, according to Russ uh, Boatwright. My man. She had to marry him. Remember that she married David, like, almost immediately after Dan became a suspect. Absolutely. So, yeah. apparently she made this uh, statement about marrying David. She had to marry him so she couldn't be forced to testify against him. Which, bold move, David. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? <laughs> uh, another thing about um, uh, Russ Fortwright, it's just, like, the things he says um, are so, like, self-evident but the way he's he, but he goes this around about this way where you're just like man that was a mind fuck like, <laughs> like imagine, oh sorry you about to say yeah so so when that statement came out is like well i had to believe uh, you know I, when roseanne said she married david because she didn't want to testify against him that statement could only mean exactly what it means exactly like he said something like that and i was just like jesus christ what are you ice tea from law and order svu where you just to say the most obvious shit ever god can you just imagine like in that being in that conversation being like hey i know we've only been dating for like three days but I hate to say this, I, I need I need you to marry me because I might be involved in a case and like if you want to chill with me, then let's just make this official because I don't want you to have to be testifying against me, baby girl. <laughs> It'd be like, yo, shorty, let's take the plunge. Yeah. Because I don't want you to have to take the plunge. This yeah. is like it's like women <laughs> ask for a prenuptial agreement and guys like get like married so that they don't have to have them testify against. <laughs> Because that's what that's what they'll do. Yeah, they, that's a compromise. Okay, I guess. so plain uh, plain devil's advocate a little bit. What <laughs> what uh, what Roseanne said 
was basically that they were in a very long-term relationship and she actually had been hounding him to marry her for a while. Hmm. He goes, well, isn't it weird, the timing? And she goes, not really, because we were together for a while. I always wanted to marry him. And, you know, with Heather's disappearance, like, it was a tough time for the family and we thought this would be a good kind of, like, unity type situation. It's also a diversion. And but also on uh, Roseanne's part, you know, she's like basically like moving the chess pieces closer to a checkmate. What? Mm. What, Nick? What no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I sort of saw where you were going with that. I, I was trying so hard, but I know. You know. Is it yeah. weird? guys? I've never played. Take, I've yeah, never played chess before. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think? Never. Never. It's like checkers, but more complicated. It is indeed. It's nothing like checkers. So anyway, <laughs> were you trying to like uh, compare Roseanne to like Kaiser Sose or something? Yeah, I think I think now that we're on that train. Okay, that's, that's what you were going for. Okay, it. I understand that now. I get it. I get what you're saying now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, in 2009, Russ Boatwright was assigned to the case full time. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, the case file was 30,000 pages. 30,000 pages split up with 15 boxes. Yeah. Uh, 30,000 pages, and you know what else? No audiobook. Couldn't find it on audiobook. <laughs> well, I would like to point out that in the reenactment, they actually had, you know, my man Russ and, like, his assistant with all these boxes, and they had to, like, recreate them, like, unfolding all these boxes. Yeah. It was a good reenactment. And I was like, huh. Yeah. He was a real trooper for going through that. Yeah. You know, in, in like, the killers, well, it was, it was it, you know, it's Dan and David. They are, they are the suspects, if you will. The prime suspects. The, uh, the, the peoples of interest? Peoples of interest, yes. There we go. At this point, you know, they thought that whoever murdered Heather did, like, a very good job. Especially with the evidence. They wiped down Heather's vehicle. And they wiped it down so well, in fact, that there wasn't even any evidence that she was in the car. Which was probably a mistake. The prosecution started to put together this circumstantial case. Mm -hmm. Right? Also, uh, Russ did have a sex tape showing um, Dan's fascination with bondage and ropes. See, how did they find that tape? I don't... That kind of, like, got thrown in there really... Yeah, it was... Because they got the warrant to search the house. I guess so, and then they went through every, like, random DVD in their house? Yeah, and then you saw on the screen, you saw the... They showed this DVD on, like, a a CD, uh, a DVR or whatever they are. Oh, wait, you didn't see this part? It was, uh, uh, they found it on Pornhub, and it was under female choice. Did they find it on Pornhub? They no. just said a porn site. Yeah, they didn't find it on Pornhub. Aaron just... <laughs> no, no, but they, but, oh, oh, that's right, you did, yeah. You're right, no, I yeah. didn't mention that. No, no, this was like uh, 2000... you got me, Black, you got me. <laughs> yeah. This had to be prior to 2003, and I don't even know how far back this sex tape was made, but... So the sex uh, tape... They must have been video wizards bonded? to have... Yeah. To have a DVD back in 2003? That's yeah. crazy. <sighs> well, well, I mean, you could do DVDs just like you could do CDs. I'm going to stop this right now. Both of you stop <laughs> yeah, yeah. geeking Let's out. Let's put a pin yeah. in we'll Let's talk, talk about, about the, this after. Let's yeah. talk about the fact that there are bondage and ropes. This is very... Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah, way better. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, key. Yeah, that's way better. This yeah. is key because yeah. uh, as a very vanilla person, uh, I will admit that 
I have never saw any uh, fascination with either of these things. Evidently, this creepazoid did. Mm -hmm. To a point where there was a sex tape that was involved with it. Yeah. With a unwilling participant or no, a no willing, no she was, really, really, she she was, was married wife. yeah she they were married yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it was only one yeah. time that they did it oh i'm sure they did it all the time i mean but they recorded one of them anything we say on this podcast would be totally suspect we have no idea yeah like we're only telling stuff that we're only saying things to you that we heard from 48 hours and anything outside of that is just educated guesses like maybe they have a whole library. Yo, maybe the, maybe it's like the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'll tell you what's what's weird is that Dan, just as willing of a participant and uh, director of making something like that, he was even weirder in like what he was actually doing online. Hmm. Like oh, are you talking about the? Uh... I'm talking. I'm talking about the dating profile. Oh, One yeah. of the other things they found right. yeah, was yeah, that... And that's a juicy nugget. Was okay. that he had yeah. a dating profile. Yeah, really quickly though, I, I need to uh, point out the fact that one of the reasons why this uh, bonded sex tape was so important was because some of the knots that Dan used in the video were the same knots used to tie up Heather's body. Oh, Those are referred to as sexy mm -hmm. knots. Yeah. Sexy Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have said something that would have made me... Well, whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. No, we got to keep it trucking, though. But yes, there was, a, there was also an online dating profile describing Dan as a widower prior to Heather's body being found. I, I, I still so, can't believe So that. he really fucked that up. Seriously. <laughs> what the fuck? But, you know, the thing about, like... Bondage and ropes and pegging and females. <laughs> well, and pegging's no part. Bukaki and, uh, you know, um, CNMF and all types of stuff. Is yeah. this, wait, wait, what was the last one stand for? Closed female naked male. What? It's this whole fetish where it's just dudes being naked in front of women. Huh. I was unfamiliar with that one. Well, now you know. Oh, well, thank you. And, More you know. And, and, yeah, knowing is half the battle. Yeah. My little mind is being blown into capsized proportions. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Oh, I, I didn't know about that one. The fuck you didn't. All right, anyway. All right. So um, and, and what happens in 2010? Does anything happen in 2010? They still didn't know how or where she died, right? But they're putting together a circumstantial case. Right. On December 14th, 2011, eight years after Heather's murder, Dan, David, and Roseanne DeWild were finally arrested. Put in the clink. Yeah, they had enough to indict them, but the case was still pretty weak. There was absolutely no physical evidence. None. And at this point, I want to bring up a, a word from our sponsor. We all have our little uh, tricks to help us relax. I love to cook. So relaxing for me is cooking with the freshest ingredients delivered right to my doorstep. Nick, on the other hand, likes to cut people. Nothing too deep, just superficial slices here and there to get the, like, the edge off, right? So when I walked into his apartment on April 10th, 2013, and saw Sky <laughs> lying in a pool of blood on the floor, I knew it was an accident. 
It happened again, Nick said in a panic. It wasn't my fault. She moved her arm in, at the last minute. What do I do? I looked him straight in the face and I said, what you need to do is stop being a bitch and get your ass to Beautyland in Jersey City. Beautyland Wig Shop is your one-stop <laughs> one shop for becoming a different person. And their customer service is top-notch. They didn't even ask Nick how he got all that blood on his shirt. So come to Beautyland because, hey, we all make mistakes. Uh, was, well, by the way, kudos for that writing. Mm-hmm. In all fair respect, though, I'm not a murderer. I know, but this is going to be... <laughs> but this well, is, but, uh, well, let's just find out then, <laughs> won't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I basically called you a murderer in the last one. This is going to be a running joke. I'm basically going to get I the know. most depraved shit and accuse you of it. All right. Yep. That's All right. that's, that's a thing. And then eight years. And then yeah. look, look, eight that's years a, later, maybe there will be some evidence stacked up against you. No. <laughs> that's that's a thing we're doing on this podcast. All right. Um, so uh, the case was pretty weak, so the prosecution decided to turn to one of the suspects to try to turn them. Mm-hmm. Right. All day. All day. Uh, they first went to Roseanne. Who uh, seemed like the easiest one to turn. Ooh, right, ooh, yeah. We, we have to come back and and recommend that Tom Ward gets a shout here. The defense attorney. And how, like... Oh, my God. I like, love me some Tom Ward. About, like, how... And, like, they introduce him around this part of the story. Because they're basically saying, oh, well, you know, they're lawyering up. And, and Tom is the, and his um, associate are representing uh, Dan. Mm. And they're like... What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna? What you gonna? What you gonna do? When they come and for you. As a break to commercial break, Dan, Tom was like, I, "I did not see that one coming." <laughs> yeah, they were like, they dropped a bombshell. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what this bombshell is." Aaron, uh, what is the bombshell? The bombshell is that um, David DeWild cut a deal, and he admitted to hiding Heather's body after Dan killed her. And this is bearded daddy. It's not non-bearded daddy. Yeah. David DeWild. David DeWild. D- D- David DeWild <laughs> cut a deal with the prosecution. Uh, he admitted to hiding Heather's body after Dan killed her. I'm pretty sure that's what I said, but... That, that is you know, precisely what happened. Dan okay. killed her, and then David was responsible for yeah. hiding the body. So, according to David... Dan started planning Heather's death in April of 2003 after being ordered to pay child support. According to David, Heather and the kids were going to be driving to the house at noon on July 24, 2003. As Dan went up to meet them, David said he tried to stop his brother. Um, I'm pretty sure that this was a pretty half-assed attempt but anyway (laughs) what was not half-assed was the quality of filmmaking that occurs that russ boatwright records him and the uh and david dewild in the garage where Mm -hmm. it all went down and they re and and he reenacts the entire thing and even like at points like (laughs) my man like fucking russ boatwright like acts like he's the victim so good 
You know, it kind of remind me of like the early Kubrick, like Path is Glory, but like more of a, a kind of like a noir feel to it. Well, anyway, like I feel. Like anyway, I'm a, I'm a big fucking asshole from Brooklyn. So anyway, yeah, I'm gonna no, keep on going. I feel like going. they were embracing the dogma dogma '95 movement in that one. And... But well, wait, but before we go further on this video, I want to just recommend that people get the visual of what you're seeing. You're seeing young Joe Mantena or whatever. You're seeing him, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, you're seeing him with what could only amount to, because David DeWilde is in prison and he has his beard shaved, he looks exactly like Ted Cruz. <laughs> he looks exactly dead on Ted Cruz mm-hmm. creep. And that's, so like you, the minute you shave that facial hair off, oh, you look, yeah, you are identical. Yeah. Y'all be creepers. Oh, I had no idea I married a lizard. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we're, we're getting back to uh, uh, David's story and what he's telling the prosecutors. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, as the kids play in the house, Heather followed her husband, Dan, into the garage. The prosecutors believe that Dan lured her there by promising to return the sex tape that the couple had made. When Heather got into the garage, Dan threw her down to the ground uh, and basically took a mallet off the counter Whacked her in the head. Not cool. Yep. Put a noose around her neck and hung her from the rafters. Now, David could have stopped the murders, but he did not because he's a piece of shit. Totally. Yep. And then, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dan, after that, staged the body to make it look like a sex act gone wrong. Uh, Dan puts her body in trash bags while David abandons Heather's car in the parking lot. When David comes back... Dan had placed Heather's body in the back of David's uh, Suburban. Suburban. Yes, Suburban. David also said that his brother Dan proposed a plan where they would kill each other's ex-wives. You know, so some stranger on a on a train shit. Hey, wait a second. Does that mean that he walked five miles from this parking lot back to the house? I guess so. Imagine what that walk would be like. Talk about a walk of shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, Nick. That was fucking good. I mean, am I right? I mean, that's basically what seemed like yeah, but he happened. You could drive that car, and I'll, I'll, I'll see you in an hour. Back to Nick's walk of shame joke. What if he, like, actually met, like, a college student in, like, Uggs and, like, uh, you know, in like shorts uh, that whoever the girl is that she like met last night and she's like, oh, I had a terrible night, man. I I, ne- I hardly ever do this. And I went over to this guy's house, didn't even know him. And then he's like, well, let me tell you about my nights. <laughs> but yes, yes, yes. However, you also remember that this was July that this murder happened. So no one's wearing Uggs in the summertime. Fuck Colorado. Colorado. Did, did right. you not know that it's, it's it's winter there nine months out of the year and they barter for everything? Yeah, I, 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 you, you did mention that already, mm-hmm. but I, I'm still struggling to imagine snow in July. If you like, kind of squint your eyes really tight, you could see um, sailboats in the. Oh, fuck it. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even know either, and I thought I was just start the joke. I'll start the bit, and I would get to somewhere with it, but that just did not happen. And you know what? Sometimes plans don't happen. Just don't First, the mallet, that. then hanging her, and then 
hiding the body in a trash bag in the suburban in the suburban Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it goes away they had like a spot picked out where they were supposed to put it but then the suburban had like transmission problems so they had to like dump it by like a country road yeah am i correct by thinking you are yeah so but they were so far away from each other though what i mean everything in colorado is close because everything is far away oh okay Nick, <laughs> but do you remember? Do you remember when showed the map of where they were supposed to go, and then right? Or was yeah, that... there, there was no key or legend to let us know. You know what the that map were. was probably brought up by some fucking PA who like who's not even like majoring in like yeah. media yeah, yeah, studies like with inter- forty eight hours PA. Yeah, 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 no, the intern. They were like, "Hey, intern, we need you to find a map," and they're yeah. like, "All right." You know, found yeah. the worst map ever. And and he and he found the map between oh, like yeah. Nick. Don't be right. sexist. Are you serious right now? No no no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Or, or he or she or whatever the fuck, because anybody could be an intern, obviously. But anyway, <laughs> uh, then whoever they were found the map I yes. found the map between yes. bong hits. Alright. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got so intense just then. All right. Anyway, it's okay. So a, a couple things about Dan and David. One of the ways they were able to basically be so good at crime, not being criminals, is they watched a lot of crime shows. So they, oh yeah, they mentioned CSA a lot in this. Mm-hmm. CSI. Yes, CSI, mm-hmm. and um, it, I think they show clips from it too. There's like, a clip. As it's supposed to justify like. What they were doing, and they could show the clips because it's CBS, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The the clip is like the most like uh, it looks like the blood sp- splatter went into a diamond shaped pattern, and then the guy's like, "Well, that would explain the hole in her head," you know, like just like the most. <laughs> but kind anyway. of an arbitrary clip. Yeah, but uh, let's see. Okay, so th- they watched a lot of crime shows, which you know, like I love that's their brother, their way of bonding. Let's watch crime shows yeah. together. Well, also brother. they were twin brothers. I mean, I've, brother, let's watch ourselves some SVU. I've bonded holding hands next to each other. I've bonded with many people over. I mean, me and Nick are like <laughs> yeah, you know what you're on right now to getting married. Oh, no, I know, I know. Because of crime, um, <laughs> it's true. Yes, but how old were they when they? I mean, how, were they seeing watching it as adults or like? I, I think so. I, we, they were like in their early. That 30s. was their way. That was their way of bonding with each other. Well, as I mean, they men were all, with kids. They were also twin brothers, born within like whatever well, a minute, a minute, minute of exactly, each other. Yeah. So they were, yeah. you know, they could probably like speak to each other in their minds. No, yeah, they they probably had that fucked up twin language that they have. Oh my god, <laughs> twin language. Oh, have yeah. you seen that? It's so crazy. It's, no, what? And you're like, like sometimes twins make up their own language. And and I'm like, I haven't seen a toddler that scary since Danny Torres in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Actually played by twins. No, <laughs> that is so not right. Maybe you're thinking of Full House. Sure. All yeah. day. Okay, so we've... we've, we've okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rolling back to child support being the reason why he wanted to commit the murder. So in this guy's head, committing murder means... Is, is clearly the better option than paying child support. Yeah. That was his totally 100% fucked up thinking. And the worst part about it is this is these are your offsprings. You're supposed to love them unconditionally. Paying child support should be no big deal. You should want to do that. Yeah, But totally. he didn't because he's a piece of shit. So the prosecution was like, how do we trust David? I mean, the guy's been a liar for nine years. 
So he, they took a, he took a polygraph and he passed on questions dealing with the murder, but he had issues on involvements of others, namely Roseanne. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, by the way, Roseanne, Scott Free, they dropped all charges due to lack of evidence. All she spent was eight months in jail. Yeah, in, in the clink. Not even, like, prison. Yeah, no, it was the clink. Yeah. It yeah. was the clink. Maybe she was in PC. Maybe she was uh, in the clink. Damn. It's all love, though. No, that's that's not true. <laughs> because are, it's prison. We're, Pri- we're introduced to, at this point, actually, to the prosecutor, Robert Weiner... And we're also uh, introduced, right, to the judge, or we haven't gotten there yet, sorry. Oh, Judge Munch? Judge Munch. I well, love you some Judge Munch, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any of those dudes in my outline. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling the story. That's fine. Yeah, so anyway. I, just, I, I would be remiss to forget talking about They're well, good names, you, you know. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, uh, nine and a half years after Heather was found murdered, Dan goes on trial. The whole case wrote on David's testimony. And like they said, they could trust David because he, he sort of passed a polygraph. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> sort of. He, pa- he passed on all the important stuff. He passed the questions that they thought were important. Uh, David uh, basically copped to the hiding of the body and the moving of the vehicle. Now, Dan's defense was that it was David who killed Heather because he always thought that Heather was attracted to him. And he killed her... Because she rejected him, which is just absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, again, like on what? You know, yes, she went shopping. Yes, uh, murdering uh, is better than child support. And then, of course, this bombshell, which is that yes, of course, she uh, wanted to be with him, or he was uh, he was uh, jealous. Of course, she she he killed her. Like there's all these like totally unfounded, completely harebrained ideas. Oh yeah, it's yeah, one hundred percent. But at the same time, I get it, man. This guy's a terrible. Like, like I would never want this guy like devising plans for me. Yeah, ever. you know, until you uh, get you know put on trial f- for your life, and then you're like, one day Nick came in and he like. Uh, wrote this thing and he like put it inside my head he's actually a surgeon and he like opened my skull and put it inside my head and that's what made me kill those people like it's like you're grasping at straws at some point but um that would also be a cool whatever so anyway (laughs) so there's like the worst criminal minds killers ever (laughs) they're so dumb so um I mean they almost got away with it yeah they did you know, Dan points out that David actually had a history of violence. He actually choked uh, his previous wife. He said to her, next time I'll kill you, bitch. And, and also, Dan also said that David's story and the reason he's talking to prosecutors was motivated by a sweet-ass uh, deal by the prosecution, which was 12 years. Which, you know... It's for, a pretty sweet deal. Oh, for murder? Oh, amazing. So... <laughs> The prosecution stated that there was no way David could have done this by himself because there's too many moving parts. Uh, So the case went to the jury. First day the jury uh, deliberated, they were split down the middle. Six people said he's guilty. Six people said, I'm not sure. On day two of deliberation, 10 people said he was guilty. Two people said, I'm not sure. And those two people would not budge. They held out. 
you know? And basically what that meant was the jury could not convict Dan uh, DeWild on first-degree murder. They could, however, basically charge him or convict him of the two lesser charges, which were accessory to murder and conspiracy to murder. So, uh, at the end of the first trial, he's convicted of two charges, uh, none of them first-degree murder. So, basically, the prosecution was like, well, you know what, jury? Fuck you. I'm going to retry this immediately. He's a cool, calculated killer. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was the best part. I've never seen a show do that. They were like, boom. They click far off. Yeah, boom, zoom in, boom, 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 boom like about that camera's gonna hit his face. You know, like the prosecution was like, "We're trying you again immediately." But before they could, he took a plea deal for a second degree murder. Yeah, he did because he was afraid of dying in prison, which is gonna happen anyway. But anyway, <laughs> I really wanted him to say, like, them to say that he uh, was to like be a total coward and try to kill himself or something. He was actually afraid that he was gonna die in prison. The guy is a psychopath. When he got to prison, he was should have been afraid that he was going to die the day, the day he got there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way looking that he did, you know? He's like a prime... He's a piece of shit! Like, I, like, that's the hard part with me going to doing anything wrong. Going to prison? I can't imagine going to prison because, one, I'm not fit for it, and two, the fact that, like, literally and figuratively, and the fact that, like, I know that, like, whatever I did was going to be so wrong that someone's going to have a bone to pick with me. Like, you're a piece of shit. I could agree with you on this part because prior to this podcast, uh, Alon said something along the lines of, he, he was, like, making a joke and he was like, and I'll fight him, but I would never fight him because I don't do violence. And I was like, well, what if someone was trying to murder me? Could you <laughs> do violence then so I wouldn't get murdered? And he's like... <laughs> That's a tough one. I gotta think about it. Well, by the time you end up thinking about it, I'll be dead. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you know, good for you to stick with your guns. I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a pacifist. You're a pacifist. That's, that's on a crime hardcore. Show. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> like, like ten or fifteen babies could just get murdered right in front of you, and you'd uh, be like, I would like to help God. them. I would love to help those babies oh, not be murdered. God. But I'm a pacifist. You know, this is what I choose. I'm pacifist, and I don't eat gluten, and those are the two things. And whatever, whatever happens, I just my hands are tied. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just don't have that militant streak. On a separate related topic, I would also not do well in prison. No, all three of us would immediately get murdered in prison. Well, maybe not immediately. I think, like, somebody would keep me as their bitch, but I wouldn't be having a good time. Guys, whoever is the cellmate, though, of this jackass has to deal with, like, the worst facial expressions ever. Because the (laughs) facial expressions that Dan DeWilde is making during this court scene for the court... Sentencing. For the sentencing, thank you. They are just, like, grotesque and, like, I, I dare not say or or or, or uh, discredit the fact that you know Tourette's is a thing, but it was very Tourette's-like, and like it was like very whoa, like you know eyebrows, eyes bulging, kind of like very, like almost like did have control, and it was almost offensive that he was making them. Absolutely. Okay, so let me read just a little bit, and then I'm going to comment on that. <sighs> okay. So on February 28th, 2013, Dan was sentenced to second-degree murder. 
he never really admitted his guilt or apologized to Heather's family. The only thing he admitted to is that he agreed that he took a plea deal to contributing to Heather's death, which is bullshit. So he didn't agree to anything. That's a total 100% cop-out. And when you say you agree to a plea deal, all that's all you're saying is, I had to do this, it's not really me. So he, he never copped to anything. In fact, David, you know, Dan's twin brother, said that Dan actually enjoyed inflicting pain on Heather's family and that he got off on the fact that he murdered a police officer's daughter right under his nose. Um, David did apologize. I mean, yes, David did apologize. Mm. David did um, not. But who cares? Because they're both pieces of shit. Yep. I'm actually very angry that David might get out pretty soon. Dan was sentenced to 74 years. And you know what? Because of his facial expressions, I don't think he's ever going to get out. Oh, hell no. Because the one thing you want from somebody getting out of prison is somebody who was like, you know what? What I did was fucked up and I'm sorry. Like, Heather's dad was like, uh, you're like, you ruined my life. You ruined your kid's life. And he was like, oh, that's, this is crazy. <laughs> that's crazy what he's saying right now. Like, that was, I, I, I know that I'm on a podcast right now, but that's, imagine someone's face going, oh, that's, that, what? No. Imagine that face. That is the face. <laughs> yeah. Of, I, 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 of, I agree with you too. Of oh. Dan DeWild. The yeah. And Dan DeWild's face, you know, I, I won't lie that, like, it was reactive, but it was overreactive. It was well overreactive to a point that, like, I couldn't really understand why he was being so overreactive. Because, like, when you're in a court, they're so stone-faced. They're, like, completely beside themselves. And this guy had the fucking gall to be trying to show him emotion and express that what he is clearly in the right? No. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, dude. No, no. I, I feel like when you said emotion, like mm-hmm. in my mind, I saw like air quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. No, it was like. Um, yes. Like the, the <laughs> face the face he made was like when Nick was like, oh, Danny Torres was actually twins. Yeah. Like that was the, the face I made when you said that was his face. Like what? You know, it was a different era. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, guys, we hit it. We totally hit it. We did it. Yo, Elon, you got some sweet, sweet plugs, man? Sweets? Oh. After, sweet, t- after today's sweet, yeah. uh, episode, uh, I'm afraid of how to use any words without going right into uh, non-vanilla territory. Just bondage <laughs> and ropes and everything. Who knows what's possible? Just practice. Just um, practice. Yeah, it just Think takes what? practice yeah. and safe <laughs> words and consent. Yeah. I get it. I, I'm, <laughs> and, I, 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 I'm all and for And ask that. somebody a million times a day if what you're saying offends them. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I was think I've always been like that even before we entered this era. Uh, so it's all good with me. Um, I am in a hip hop improv group called Boots and Cats. No you shit. can check out uh, our upcoming shows if we have any on Facebook Boots uh, and then the letter N Cats. Uh, other than that, you could hear me every Thursday on Radio Free Brooklyn, 3 to 4 p.m., Lost and Rewound. With my boy Jimmy Hoffman and hopefully Allison Goodman if she decides to ever come back. She's in New Orleans. We miss her a lot. My life is this podcast, and outside of that, it's uh, it's it's um, that's it. So, oh yeah, we I have a show that uh, I run. The next one's August first, I believe. So, uh, big shout out to our editor uh, Anna Levine. Mm-hmm. Uh, theme song by Isaac Stryker. Mm-hmm. 
Um, check us out at loveisamazing.com. We have like all our stuff there and all our like sweet, sweet sketches and all that. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter at loveisamazingyo. Mm-hmm. We're on Instagram at loveisamazingyo. Mm-hmm. And we're basically everywhere that you can find a podcast. Yeah. Like even places we never signed up for. Yeah. So. I mean, I can't believe we got on Podknife. Yeah. We're on Podknife, we're on Overcast, we're on Stitcher, like, yeah. uh, like we're all over the place. We're fucking 360. Big shout out to yeah. Beautyland. Uh, yeah. Thanks for going into the wild with us. Yeah. We're, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You were just <laughs> waiting for that. <laughs> that was a good one. Whole time. You know, I was just thinking that, like, they, they had such an opportunity to, like, really crush it with their name, and they just really fucked it up by, yeah, they by really, being monsters. They really dropped all yeah. the, like, sweet puns yeah. they could have done. Anyway... Nikki Luna out. Aaron Black out. Peace. Love is amazing, but it's also bullshit, and it might also get you murdered. <laughs>